This is Steve Shives' YouTube Big Shot, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the big, big show, and thank you for joining us. This episode 314 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the birthday girl herself, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Yep, well, that was yesterday. It was yesterday. And today is a new day. You are not the birthday girl anymore. A non-birthday girl. 364 days mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but I got a lot of love. That was nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. A lot of love. Mm-hmm. We went to coffee this morning. Yep. Big birthday celebration. Coffee the next day. Yeah. And uh, I got a critique. Can I make a critique? Okay. You always see these photos of like kids on their phones and people shitting on people for using electronics. And that's not necessarily what this critique is. But we were sitting there drinking our coffee and eating our sandwich. Mm-hmm. And uh, over on the other wall, everybody was all slumped over looking at their phones and laptops. Yeah. Like, like uh, they are, they're all like human apostrophes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was weird and humpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're at risk of developing text neck. That's a thing now. Yeah, because because we're always staring down at our phones, so you have to bring your phone up to eye level. Just bring it up, and then everyone will think <laughs> everyone will think you're recording them, and that probably won't be good. But, but it was, it it'll was, be better than having text neck. It was alarming. I thought mm-hmm. how it, and it wasn't just like a bunch of kids. These were all adults. Yeah. There are no kids at nine o'clock in the morning having coffee. Yeah. At that place. Yeah. Well, think about it. I mean, everyone's on their phones. That's just what we do now. We're always looking at the phones. I'm. I no. I'm not shitting on that. I'm guilty of that. Probably more than anybody. Yeah. I'm guilty. Yeah. Well, and then if you're so, there were also people on their computers that were hunched over, and that bothers me because as a tall laid. You are a tall laid. There's never... Hashtag tall laid. There's, there's never a table that I feel is high enough for my laptop to be on where I'm not hunched over. So usually I, I straighten my back and you, I'm looking down at my computer. You're someone with very good posture. You've been complimented in grocery stores about your posture. I have, but it's very hard and I'm starting to get lazy and I do catch myself... Te- with text necking it up well with my shoulders like <laughs> rolled forward and i was rolling back rolling back <laughs> well what I, I found myself looking at these slumps these human apostrophes <laughs> and like i want to like correct the damage that i've done so i i go the other way with my posture just like, <laughs> ah, trying to bend myself back the other way yeah uh, something to be aware of folks i don't know is this a public service announcement yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> The Jesse D. public service announcement. <laughs> the more you know. You concerned about everyone's posture. Well, no. I mean, I what, fuck whatever. If you want to, you know, be a 
something that looks bent over. Yeah. God damn. Well, it's hard. Yeah. It, it is hard because you have to practice. It's not something that comes naturally, I think. Well, look at it from an evolutionary standpoint. We really haven't had anything that draws our neck down constantly. You know, I mean, it's probably not going to affect me as much because I didn't have a cell phone until 1993. Mm-hmm. And kids now, they're fucking, oh, you're being a bratty kid at the dinner table in a restaurant? Here, here's an iPad. Here's a here's an iPhone. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy. And I'm not shitting on parents who do that, but... Kids have access to phones and shit. Yeah. As soon as they're able to, you know, have the dexterity to handle them. Right. So it's going to be, it's got to fuck with your, with your anatomy, with your physiology. Yeah. I, (laughs) the other day when I was uh, at work, one of the kids asked if they could call their parents for something. And I said, oh yeah, let me see if you can use the, the receptionist phone. And they looked at me and they said, I have a phone. And I don't Did know. Did you feel like a fucking old person? I felt like an idiot. You're like, hey, I, uh, I don't know. Let, let's see if the payphone outside. Yeah, what, I think there's a phone booth you can go out there. What was and- I thinking? <laughs> I have no idea what I was thinking because everyone has phones. All of the kids have phones yeah. these days. And I was, oh, let me see if we can get a phone for you. <laughs> uh, I have a phone. Ugh, I'm sorry. It's not Little House on the fucking Prairie. Brittany. I know. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right, like I said, thanks for joining us, everybody. Let's get into this. A lot to talk about. Let's start with some voicemails. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. My name is Idra from Maryville, Indiana. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. Um, I'm just calling in regards to the dash cam video released in the Philando Castillo uh, trial, and I am utterly disgusted. How, after looking at that video, how could these jurors say that that officer is not guilty? So let's let's go to class as we break down this video. Um, first, he calls in and says the suspect looks like a possible flip uh, field looks like a possible suspect in a robbery based on the, the narrow of his of his nose, how big his nose is. How can you even determine that looking at a moving vehicle? So his excuse was to pull him over that he had a broken taillight, which when you look at the video, he does. He pulls him over and he asks his Phil, you know, hey, your light is out, blah, blah, blah. You have your license and registration. So let's assume that, like most men, he has his wallet in his back pocket. He still has his seatbelt on, so sometimes you have to unbuckle your seatbelt to adjust and grab your wallet out. So in the process of him doing this, he goes, officer, I have a weapon in the car, which is fine. But then, instead of reacting in a rational way, he immediately panics and you hear it in his voice. The officer did. And while Phil is probably still reaching for his wallet to get his license and registration out, the officer says, um, don't reach for it. What am I not supposed to reach for? Am I not supposed to reach for my wallet? Or am I not supposed to reach for a weapon that I wasn't even reaching for in the first place? And then he shoots this man five to seven times with a child in the back. How is that even possible? He should have even went in jail for child endangerment for um, loading his weapon like that with a child in the back seat. I just don't understand. Thank you, you guys, for letting me leave this message. Um, 
Brittany, I love you, but Jesse, you are awesome. Bye. <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We were definitely going to talk about this today because the police department there in Minnesota released their footage, their dash cam footage, and the, the mic'd audio of the police officer who killed Philando Castillo. Um, you said your name very fast. I have written down Asia, but then I heard uh, Dietra. So, caller. <laughs> You're looking at me for help. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, listen, uh, you made awesome points. First of all, I never thought about the... He did say that he he resembled a a suspect mm-hmm. because of the his wide set nose was the words that the cop used. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you see that in a moving car from which you're behind? I, I don't. That doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of inconsistencies that uh, about what the cop said right after the incident that don't line up with what he said in the radio calls too. Yeah, I also want to talk about what the cop told the investigators. I I don't know if you want to play the clip first or if we can talk about what he told the investigators because he said that um, he smelled burnt marijuana and that is what made him fear for his life. Wait. And and this is the quote. I thought I was going to die. And I thought if he's if he has the the guts and the audacity to smoke marijuana in front of the five year old girl and risk her lungs and risk her life by giving her secondhand smoke and the front seat passenger doing the same thing, then what what care does he give about me? And I let off the rounds. And then after the rounds were off, the little girl was screaming. So you're worried about the marijuana and the lungs yeah. But the seven shots two and of the which, trauma. Two of which didn't hit him. Two of which, point blank, you asshole, you didn't hit Philando Castillo. Yeah, so where did those go? Right. That's scary. Yeah. And again, listen, I'm angry about this from a macro sense. I say asshole. This guy's probably not an asshole. He certainly isn't cut out to be a police officer. He's too fearful about a man who posed no threat. That's the problem here. I think I think there could be an argument made for the asshole thing. Yeah. Um, because of the racial profiling or what seems to be racial profiling. Yeah. And I think that when you do that, he's walking into this situation at a heightened level, sure. almost um, presuming guilt, kind I, of. I'm I'm coming at it from the that's that's an implicit bias. Yeah, that's ingrained in him. He doesn't really even know about it. It's not like yeah, I'm gonna get this fucking black guy. I'm just trying to paint him in the, in the most positive light that I can, because going forward, I'm not gonna say nice things. Mm-hmm. He killed an innocent man. A man who posed zero threat. A man who said, and we're going to get to the tape, hey, I just want to let you know I have a weapon on me. Is that criminal behavior? Is that how someone who's going to gun you down? Do You think criminals who are going to murder a cop, they want to level the playing field? Hey, partner, I just want to let you know for the sake of honor, 
I got a gun too. Three, two, one. Pull your gun. Yeah. That's not how it fucking works in the real world. Yeah. The citizen, smoking weed or not, that doesn't matter. It's not like he, he had a kidnap victim and that you were f- afraid for someone's life. You smelled weed. Calm down. Well, and that's what the argument was by by the cop's attorneys. They were saying that because he was stoned, quote unquote, that he is partially responsible for his own death because he was unable to follow directions because he was stoned. He was following. Uh, stoned, quote unquote. Yeah. Because, of course, we don't know. Right. THC stays in your system for a while. You can't really tell um, what level of intoxication someone is based on just having it in your system. Uh, and I also wanted to say to Dietra that the one of the charges was neglig- negligent discharge of a firearm um, because of the, the fiance and the daughter and her daughter being in the backseat. So that was one of the charges that on which he was acquitted. It's fucking outrageous. Thanks for the call. We have one more on Not a Shocker, the same topic. Hola, persons. John from Pennsylvania checking in again. Well, happy belated birthday, Brittany. I uh, saw your post on Facebook this morning of the uh, New York Times article on uh, Philando Castile and the inequities of the system towards African-American gentlemen and the police force. And uh, the thing that kept running through my mind was all the apologists and uh, counter-excuses that uh, not all cops are racist, not all cops are bad cops. But um, here's the thing, guys. If you work on a police force and you see a bad cop and you don't say anything about it for whatever reason, either you're new to the job and you don't want to ruin your career and that guy's been there 20 years and he's got clouds and he knows people, or it's the fraternal brotherhood of police, or for whatever reason, or you think that guy actually deserved it, that was whatever by that bad cop, and you say nothing, that means legally you're an accomplice. And as far as I'm concerned, you're a bad cop too. So until two cops start stepping up to the line and saying something when they see something, they're going to have a problem with their image. Kind of what I'm thinking in my head right now. But anyway, uh, again, happy birthday, Brittany. You survived another year. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Survived another year is one way to put it. Not really setting the bar very high. Hopefully I continue to survive other years. <laughs> we'll see. Um, he said something there. More succinctly than I've said it in the past. But it's something I've been saying for a long time. And let me sum up what he said. If a good cop sees a bad cop being a bad cop and doesn't say anything, that good cop isn't a good cop. He's also a bad cop. There's a quote that is unattributable. People think it's Edmund Burke, but it's not. That the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Well, you take that a step further. Good men who do nothing in the face of evil are not good men. And that's what we have here in America. We're unarmed. Predominantly black men are being goddamn gunned down. You know, Raina, 
longtime loyal listener from Indiana, she tweeted the other day something very profound that her grandfather said at dinner. Her great-grandfather, I'm sorry. And it is that it is impossible to be unarmed when our blackness is the weapon they fear. That is a powerful, powerful sentiment. Mm Mm-hmm. There is no way to be an unarmed black man when you're carrying around black skin. So whether or not he had a gun, he was armed in the mind and the psyche of this cowardly, afraid fucking cop. That might be harsh. I'm getting the eyes. I, I'm but, not. I'm not giving you eyes. I. I have been particularly frustrated because I used to be a knee-jerk cop defender. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've talked about this um, because of how I was raised and how the cops intervened in moments in my childhood home where they made me feel safe and made everything okay when things were not okay. The chaos stopped when they arrived. I then projected that onto all other situations, which is very irrational, right? My personal experience is though it's representative of the general population, right? But but you know what? That's what you carry with you because that's what you have. It's your experience that you base your judgment and your your view on. Right. So, So everyone needs to take a step back. And realize that their personal experience is not representative of the, of the general population. And all of these people who continue to defend the police based on how the police have treated them, how the police have treated their friends, the cop friend that they have, whatever it might be, it's time to listen to yeah. what marginalized communities are saying about how they're treated. It's time to watch these videos and really let it sink in. It's time to ask the NRA why they're silent yeah. when this case aligns perfectly with what they're constantly talking about. You have this Wayne LaPierre, right? This Wayne LaPierre. Ugh. And in 1995, he wrote in a fundraising letter, quote, in Clinton's administration, if you have a badge, you have the government's go ahead to harass, intimidate, and even murder law abiding citizens. Well, that's what just happened. And the NRA fucking crickets. Nothing so, from them. I mean, this is what this is what pisses me off. Well, and, then, and then you have people continuing to defend. And what I just I what I hope from people that are me two years ago, or as recent as two years ago, probably this knee jerk defense of the police. Pause. Stop thinking about your own experience and think about what's happening for people that are being victimized here. Also, you don't even have to put yourself in the, in Philando Castile's shoes because oftentimes what happens when I try to have that happen in a conversation is, well, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been smoking weed. I wouldn't have... All these other factors. None of all those other factors do anything to cloud the issue, which is always or oftentimes the intent. And as far as the NRA is concerned, are they a white gun owner advocacy group or are they a gun owner advocacy group? Which is it? Because it seems like they are white identitarians like Richard Spencer and his fucking monkeys. That's what it seems like to me. When you're silent, 
when a law-abiding citizen gets gunned down in the street for a, a faulty brake light, that is a problem. Now let's get to the tape. This first clip is the, 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 the municipality released about an 11-minute tape, dash cam footage. This is 2 minutes and 24 seconds. This is right when the cop gets to the window and starts to speak, and it runs for 2 minutes and 24 seconds. Well, sir. Good. Reason I put you over to your brake lights are out. So you only have one activated active brake light, and that's going to be your passenger side one, your third brake light, which is up here on top, and then this one back here, it's going to be out. You have your license insurance? I do have a okay. firearm okay. on me. I don't reach I just, for it, then. I'm, 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 I'm don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Oh, no! Don't pull it out! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, This Yanez, as afraid as he is, I have no sympathy. Because Philando Castile is dead, and you hear him whimpering and dying on the audio tape. It's also been reported that his last words were, I was not reaching for it. Th that is it? Listen. Sir, I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm on okay. me. Don't reach for it, then. I'm, 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 don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. He says, don't pull it out. He says, I'm not pulling it out. And then he rapidly fires seven rounds. Two, I believe, in his heart. And the last thing he says is, I wasn't reaching. 
I wasn't reaching for my gun that I legally own. And now this cop is going through the, the motions. Now he's, he's acquitted is what the deal is. He's acquitted. He didn't unlawfully kill, unlawfully take the life of Philando Castile. He's, he's a regular citizen. Go about his life. Get another cop job. Apparently, they're, they're not going to hire him as a cop coming back in this particular municipality. But he can go anywhere else and try to get a job as a cop because he didn't unlawfully discharge his weapon. Something I want to highlight is how Diamond Reynolds, the passenger, Philando's girlfriend, is how she's treating the officer, right? And the aftermath of what just happened, what she knows is wrong. Her her narrating is perfect. It illustrates exactly what happened in real time. Right. And she keeps calling him sir. Yeah. I'm keeping my hands here, sir, even though... He just killed her boyfriend. And she she knows I have to be calm because if I lose it, that's going to be my fate too, right? right. It's, it's her childhood training. And so she's saying, I- I'm keeping my hands here, sir. You just shot him, sir. Keeping a, a level tone in her voice saying, sir. Gotta right? respect the man. Otherwise, you might end up dead too. And it's unbelievable. Philando Castile, by all accounts, was a model citizen. People in his community loved him. I I think his nickname was something like Mr. Rogers with dreads or something like that. Mm -hmm. This is murder. Unintentional, maybe. This wasn't premeditated, I don't believe. But we have a problem in this country where cops have carte blanche the rights to treat citizens, especially black ones, however the fuck they want. After this incident, this killing, this gunning down of an innocent man in the street, they handcuffed the fiancé and stuffed her into the back of a police cruiser with her daughter. That video with audio has also been released. And this, to me, is maybe more more heartbreaking than anything else. Shoot me, okay? I'm already in handcuffs. Don't take them off. 
kidding me we are witnessing the next generation of black american be afraid of the cops inside of a minute clip when white people say well they just need to respect the cops act differently how the fuck is that supposed to happen when a kid who's five years old who's six years old this is her introduction to the fucking police in America. Jackbooted fucking thugs who kill her mom's fiance. This is fucking disgusting. How is she not supposed to go on in life being deathly afraid, justifiably afraid of the police? She's pleading with her mom. Don't curse. Don't scream. I don't want the cops to have justification to kill you two. This is not America. This is not the way things should work. Where are the good cops? And then they line up these idiots on CNN, on Fox News, who justify this. Well, he, he the, the, the cop did everything right. No, he didn't. Because if he did everything right, Philando Castile would be at work right now, not fucking dead. It's almost like people don't want to listen, right? Um and that tape is hard to watch. It's hard to listen to because you just want to hug that child, right? Um, but people need to to watch this, right? Because this is a reality. And it's time to stop viewing things from your own perspective. And it's time to start listening, right? And, and realize what's happening to people. And that child's five years old. And she already has this idea in her head that that her mom shouldn't yell because she's going to get killed. Yeah. That she shouldn't talk loudly. That she shouldn't use a bad word. I mean, think about that. Those, those aren't crimes. Yeah, none of that is illegal. <laughs> and she's, I'll protect you. A child shouldn't have to be saying that to their parents. This is something that's going to stay with her her whole life. Oh, yeah. We have problems in this country. And it's only when we all bend together and let the system know that we are fucking fed up with this. And it's going to take everyone, white, black, all of us. This will not be tolerated anymore. And the system starts needs to start responding by punishing perpetrators of crime 
against the members of the black community. Am I saying that everybody who gets killed by police shouldn't have been killed? No, absolutely not. But God damn it, if we can't get the ones right where it's obvious, it, it clouds the entire issue. It puts into question every single police shooting when these happen as often as they do. The Washington Post did a study and they came to the conclusion that unarmed black men are seven times more likely to die at the hands of the police than whites. Seven times. That's not just a problem. That's an epidemic. And something needs to be done. As always, we would like to hear from you. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Marcus. Marcus. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And April. April. Um, I'm going to take a break. It won't be a break for the listeners, um, but it'll be a break uh, for, for me. I need to get my shit together. All right, we are back. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, first time we've ever done that, taking a break in the middle of the show. I needed some time to compose myself. I think Brittany did too. So uh, we just did the, the Patreon drop. I wanted to, to thank those listeners who have joined the Patreon family. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate the support. Um, we are really dedicated to moving the conversation forward talking about tough issues and it is because of your support your your financial support through patreon and paypal that we're able to do this um we, we have so many new listeners i did want to kind of give a brief overview of how patreon works so i'm going to turn it over to Brittany because you tend to say it better i always fuck it up okay so it's you not to- even complicated i'm just Goddamn dumb sometimes. So you go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore and you can become a patron. And how that works is you choose a an amount. It can be any amount to give on a monthly basis. And that becomes a recurring charge on whatever card you register or with pay- Patreon or PayPal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all done through Patreon. So we don't see any of it, um, any of your information, I mean, um, but the money comes to us. So it's Patreon's really doing us a favor. Yeah, right? it's like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter on a monthly basis. Yeah. And right now we are, we are, was that everything? Sure. Pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty you can good. also go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and it'll redirect you to the website. Yeah. Uh, I did want to say that 
we are really looking forward to doing a third episode per month or per week. <laughs> Do I need to take another break? I think so. Uh, a third episode a week, and it, it I think the number is $2,500 per month, and then we'll be able to, and we're like at 1500 now. So another grand, like I said, if 500 of you were to give $5 a month, we'd, we'd be there. Mm-hmm. It would be, you know, it, it's a tremendous effort that goes into making a show. And I'm not going to whine about it because we love what we do, but it would make it uh, financially feasible for us to do a third show. So, and we appreciate everyone that does contribute, yeah. uh, whether it be directly or indirectly, um, telling a friend, putting stickers in a bathroom, in a bar, um, <laughs> whatever might be the case. And by Are the way- Are you advocating for vandalism, Brittany Page? No, I'm just saying that might be a thing that happens. <laughs> and right. we sent, I think, about 60 envelopes filled with stickers. Yeah. So if you got them, we want to see where they end up. Please share a photo with us on Twitter at I Doubt It Podcast. And on the Facebook page... You started the Twitter account. Why are you questioning what the name of the fucking account is? Uh, I doubt it. Podcast? <laughs> You're like that one Jeopardy contestant who's really not sure of the answer, but they're giving it anyway. What is... Cannonballs? <laughs> well... I have to keep track of my social media and then oh, right. it so, is I Doubt It Podcast. Okay. okay. So, so, yes. Yeah. So, thank you. And that is all. All right. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, we have talked about Jared Kushner a lot on this show. Jared Kushner is the silent spokesman, the what they call in the White House, the secretary of everything. He is the he's in charge of peace in the Middle East. He's in charge of the the uh, the epidemic of prescription drug overdose in this country, the opioid crisis. He's in charge of innovating the federal government single handedly. This 30 something Vondekin. Is that how you say it? Uh, I do not know. (laughs) Anyway, he gave a speech the other day to some tech giants, and we finally got to hear his voice, and it was as good as it could have been. We created the White House Office of American Innovation (laughs) in an effort to bring business sensibility to a government that for too long has relied on past practices as automatic justification for their continuation. Before I came to Washington, many warned me that the bureaucracy would resist any change that we tried to implement. So far, I have found exactly the opposite. To date, we've been working with hundreds of talented civil servants, men and women who want to serve their country and see their government do better. We have challenged ourselves to pursue change that will provide utility to Americans far beyond our tenure here. How good is that? At least we know if he loses his net worth, which is roughly $700 million, he has a backup plan to be a voiceover artist for the Muppets. Hey, uh, we're going to innovate the federal government and it's going to be a real good time for everybody, everybody. (laughs) I'm going to pee. 
peace in the Middle East, oh finally. My, God. my name's Jared Kushner, and I love peace in the Middle East. <laughs> hey, put those pills down. You don't need an opioid. Let's get you into treatment. I will say. My name's Jared Kushner. You can bank on that. I will say that uh, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Uh, the voice you're doing there. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know if I can go back to my normal voice. It's too good. Uh, please do. This is the guy who's in charge? Jared, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Fucking Jared Kushner. Well, <laughs> so uh, it voices the, <laughs> the number one requirement for being capable of doing jobs. <laughs> What's that? The goof voice? Having a good voice, apparently, <laughs> according to you. No, it is it's the... just funny that m- maybe now this is the reason that he's been quiet because he's embarrassed about the pipes. You think that's true? No. Oh. But it is a little weird. Maybe it's just I was, I, my expectation was he's not a bad looking guy. You know, he's got his. His stupid wayfarers on in his bulletproof vest with his blazer, kind of GQ kid, you know, and mm-hmm. then, and then that's what comes out of his the, the hole underneath his nose when he talks. Yep. Brittany's not into my reindeer games right now. I. You are not. All right, let's get to something more serious. Uh huh. How about that? Perfect. A couple years ago, we talked about Otto Warm Beer. It's a shitty, shitty transition into something very serious. But uh, Otto Warmbier was a, a young man from Ohio who went on a tourist sightseeing group to North Korea. Someone explained that to me because I still don't understand it, why someone would go there. The risks, the inherent risks that are involved, the history of imprisoning Americans and charging them with espionage or threats to the state or fucking whatever. That's not a place I would be going. I'm even confused when I see journalists there. Yeah. that's There's that one guy from CNN. Yeah, that's terrifying to me. I wonder if he's constantly in fear of what might happen to him. Yeah, I don't know. That's dedication to the job. Well, there's a video of Otto Warmbier taking down a banner from a hotel that is like a North Korean. You know, it's kitschy. It's like uh, he wants a souvenir. So he did the wrong thing and stole this banner. Well, he was subsequently arrested and charged with crimes against the state of North Korea. Put on trial in this fucking kangaroo court where he was bow, literally bowing, scraping, please, I this fake crying way over the top, like you see in everything dealing with North Korea and their propaganda machine. Everyone's joyous over the top, crying over the top when they get to see Kim Jong-un. And reports out of North Korea are, as soon as Kim Jong-un leaves, it's right back to normal. Everybody's normal. As soon as he shows up, it's pandemonium. Like, clearly they're acting. And that's what this trial was. Well, he was sentenced to a tremendous amount of time in prison and in hard labor. And apparently immediately got botulism, quote-unquote, was given a sleeping pill and slipped into a coma. That's the story North Korea is giving. The Obama administration tried to get him back for many, many months to no avail. 
Obama left office, Donald Trump comes in, and just the other day, he was released. And now, not a shocker, Donald Trump is blaming Obama, essentially blaming America, our own country, our previous leader. He's blaming the previous administration for not getting him back. Meeting with the president of Ukraine in the Oval Office today, Mr. Trump had strong words for North Korea about the death of Otto Warmbier, the University of Virginia student who died Monday. He'd been in a coma after 17 months in North Korean captivity. It's a total disgrace what happened to Otto. That should never, ever be allowed to happen. Mr. Trump implied President Obama was to blame since Warmbier had been detained since January 2016. Frankly, if he were brought home sooner, I think the result would have been a lot different. He should have been brought home that same day. The result would have been a lot different. But what happened to Otto is a disgrace. And I spoke with his family. His family is incredible, what they've gone through. But he should have been brought home a long time ago. A former national security aide to President Obama said at least 10 Americans were released from North Korean custody during the last administration. It's painful that Mr. Warmbier was not among them, but our efforts on his behalf never ceased, even in the waning days of the administration, spokesman Ned Price said. As the White House tries to jumpstart its agenda, a new CBS News poll finds the president's approval rating has fallen five points from two months ago to 36 percent, a record low. Fifty-seven percent now disapprove of his presidency. So I left that in there because it just makes me feel good Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump is at record low disapproval ratings. Record low. Yeah, both record lows. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, blaming Obama saying this. I think the result would have been a lot different. He should have been brought home that same day. Well, if it's that easy to bring him home that same day, then why wasn't he brought home the first day of your administration? Why did it take 150 days, Donald Trump, if it's that fucking easy mm-hmm. to extract an American? Now, here's here's the problem I'm having, my internal conflict right now, and that is something needs to be done with North Korea. I don't know if that's military. That's my initial response. That that's that that you know scratches that itch in me of wanting revenge, mm-hmm. wanting retribution for American blood. Right. That that's the natural thing, but I don't know if that's the smartest thing. But something needs to be done more than what we're doing. Kim Jong Un is a menace. He is a threat to the world, and he needs to be dealt with. We can't lean on goddamn China to do it. Well, that's the thing. Donald Trump also blamed China, partly. Right, right? in his in his sideways compliment way, it was blaming China. Yeah, um, that they tried. They tried to put pressure on at North least, Korea. At least I know they tried. Yeah, so it's everybody but him. Right. But he still has time to go to these campaign rally things, even though he's president. And tweeting his dick off. Yeah, that seems to be a priority. And then bitching about uh, this that should have happened right sooner. Yeah. At the hands of other people who aren't in charge anymore. It's you, buddy. It is disgusting and sad and enraging and uh, disheartening all. It's a cavalcade of emotions. 
Brittany he's Page. the one who is in charge. Right. The buck stops with you, you fucking mook. It is you who is in charge. You who calls the shots. You who fires the FBI director. You don't get told to do it. You do it. You make the decision. Well, you also have to wonder why they released Otto when they did. Is it because they knew that he would be dying soon? And so it's kind of, let's send him back so he can die. He, d- he died on your hands, not on ours. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a very interesting time frame because he died, what, a day, uh, the day after, after yeah. arriving? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Well, they've done it... Uh, the family, oddly, and I'm not going to judge them because they're in pain right now, but the family has rejected an autopsy. They don't want the, the coroner doing an autopsy, but they did do a cursory scan of the body. They say there's no broken bones, there's no mending skin, so it wasn't at the hands of, like, uh, a beating that he slipped into a coma, mm-hmm. but maybe it was drug-induced. I, I don't know. I don't know. They say that it's likely lack of oxygen to the brain... But there's no sign of choking or, you know, like strangulation. So I don't know. And we likely won't know because the the family has refused autopsy of his body. So more bullshittery from Donald Trump. Um, There are a couple items that I want to talk about relative to the investigation. It seems like the entire administration right now is represented by criminal counsel by criminal uh, uh, defense attorneys. Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Mike Flynn, Jeff Sessions now has a lawyer. Donald Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, has a lawyer. And of course, Jared Kushner, who was the first to lawyer up with a criminal defense attorney during the transition. This is a problem. When all of the key members of the administration, several people, more than you can count on one hand, are represented by counsel. Corrupt Hillary. For a crime none of them committed. It's just a hoax. Because, you know, people get convicted of hoaxes all the time who did nothing. Mm -hmm. It's constantly in the government. When you work for the federal government... It's kind of like part of the application. Who's going to be your lawyer? Oh, you're going to get a job? Great. Who's going to be your lawyer? Because it's like you're you're going to be charged with some kind of a hoax-related crime. Hashtag witch hunt. <laughs> Which reminds me, he went on a tweet spree this morning. I will say this. Look, I have millions of people on Twitter. It's a lot of people. If somebody can't handle a Twitter account, they can't handle the nuclear account. So sad that that line meant nothing to people. (laughs) Right? It's real. Mm -hmm. It is fact. Okay, so I'll read the tweets that he has tweeted today. Former Homeland Security Advisor Jay Johnson is the latest top intelligence official to state there was no grand scheme between Trump and Russia. By the way, if Russia was working so hard on the 2016 election, it all took place during the Obama administration. Why didn't they stop them? Why did Democratic National Committee turn down the DHS offer to protect against hacks, parenthetically, long prior to election? It's all a big dem hoax. Ugh. Why did the DNC refuse to turn over its capital server 
the word is capitalized, server to the FBI and still hasn't. It's all a big Dem scam and excuse for losing the election. I certainly hope the Democrats do not force Nancy P out. That would be very bad for the Republican Party. And please let Cry and Chuck stay. With all, with, God damn. with all the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking, and illegal leaking of information, I have no idea whether there are quote-unquote tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. President of the United States, everybody. Of course, this is finally, after, I don't know, six weeks of the press corps trying to get confirmation of whether there are tapes from Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders or whoever, anyone, and they were refusing to give answers because on May 12th, Donald Trump tweeted, James Comey better hope there are no quote-unquote tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. Okay? Now we know that that was meaningless. He didn't have tapes. He was threatening James Comey. That is exactly what he's doing. When he didn't have tapes. Because even James Comey was said, if there are tapes, yeah, I want them released. He like, said, Trump, let's go. It won't hurt my feelings. Release all the tapes. Right. So that probably didn't make Trump happy because this tweet on May 12th was obviously meant to scare him or intimidate him. Right. Whatever. Intimidating a witness. And now we know he's officially announced. So I guess Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders can comment on it now. Right. Well, that, no, that there are no, no tapes. He'll just say the tweet speaks for itself. Right. Because they don't represent the white. They don't represent the president anymore. They, he is a communications director. He is the press secretary for the White House. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the deputy press secretary. And neither one of them can ever answer any fucking questions. I haven't talked to the president about that. Why have you not talked to the president about that? The Russia investigation, whether or not he believes it to be true, whether or not he stands behind the 16 or 17 independent intelligence agencies who say there were Russian efforts to hack into the election. At the hearing yesterday, where the representative from DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, said, yes, there were efforts by the Russians to hack in to 21 individual state election um, segments of their government. He said most of them were unsuccessful, but there was an attempt. That's a problem when the leader of our country The president of the United States refuses to even accept that it happened. Who is he protecting? He has never had a bad or negative word to say about Russia or Vladimir Putin. But it's crying Chuck. Crooked Hillary. Lying Ted. He maligns Americans on the fucking reg. But he can't be troubled to say anything even sideways about Vladimir Putin. What the fuck? 
well, <laughs> the investigations that are happening might explain that. Of course, we won't know. Right. And we don't know. But Robert Mueller is examining whether President Donald Trump obstructed justice when he fired James Comey as director of the FBI. Yes. Right. And uh, as, as it's been reported, there's also a probe of possible collusion between Trump's campaign and the Kremlin. Right. Uh, about the election. Yes. But. There's also a uh, Justice Department inquiry led by Mueller that is prompting some discussion, okay? Well, he's bringing on a bunch of people on board who are skilled at certain things. They're like, the, it's like Taken. Yeah. I have a certain set of skills. My skills are flipping witnesses against the defense to testify on behalf of the prosecution. And there's talk right now even amongst members of supporters of Donald Trump, that Michael Flynn is likely flipped. He's likely going to testify for the state. Right. Not only that, though, the Washington Post is reporting that the investigation also includes, quote unquote, suspicious financial activity yeah. involving, quote unquote, Russian operatives. And the New York Times is also reporting that Mueller is looking at whether Trump associates laundered financial payoffs from Russian officials by channeling them through offshore accounts. So not only do you have the experts coming in about flipping a witness, you now have forensic accountants adding this yeah. financial aspect as well. Yeah. And, and you know what? These guys, Listen, the FBI was not started by rough and tumble cops. The FBI was started by lawyers and accountants. That's typically what you needed education and training-wise to be a federal agent, to be an FBI agent. So they, they have a, a full grasp and understanding, a, a, a breadth and width of, of knowledge about financial crimes and how to uncover them. And this will not go unexamined. They're going to get to the fucking bottom of it if there is something there. Of course, we will keep you apprised as we follow up. So the White House went into kind of a, a dark period. <laughs> they went dark. They had uh, briefings and gaggles, as they're called, that were not recorded on audio or video. This is a problem. It, it really caught, and it's going forward even when they are recorded, like we said earlier, they're not answering questions. They are, oh, we haven't talked about that, or or we're not going to comment on that. And Jake Tapper had something to say about this administration and its transparency or lack thereof. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer held an on-camera briefing and took reporters' questions. That's something that in and of itself should not be news. But in this case, it is because the Trump administration has been keeping reporters at bay for more than a week. In important ways, the Trump White House has been less transparent than its predecessors. It's just an empirical fact. Even for those who thought President Obama's administration never lived up to its ballyhooed promises of transparency, President Obama did release his tax returns, as has been standard for presidents for years. President Trump has not yet, rele not yet released his. President Obama eventually acquiesced and released most of his White House visitor logs, but President Trump does not share any of them, literally nothing about who is coming to see him. President Obama golfed quite a bit, as does President Trump, but the Obama White House would tell the public when he was hitting the links and with whom, 
This White House, for whatever reason, keeps that information private. Even the White House briefings are now shorter with more non-answers and a new trend of not allowing cameras or even audio recordings of what your White House is saying on any given day. People in power like to hide things from the public. We called it out under President Obama, and now it is empirically worse and more opaque. You have a right to know what's going on in the people's house, whether related to the Russia cloud that continues to hamper President Trump's agenda or his plans for Afghanistan or tax reform or health care legislation, all of it. If one thing comes out of this, I hope it's this. I hope that when this administration eventually, most assuredly, crashes and fucking burns, that the next administration will want to distance themselves from the practices established by the Trump administration and go in the exact opposite direction. I hope that we're able to to gather together and rally against the secrecy that is being practiced by the Trump administration and hold the next administration accountable either through shame of, oh, you're going to be like the Trump administration, huh? Or through just general grassroots influence. Either way. Because this is not normal. So not normal that the day that they had their briefing but didn't allow any recording devices, Jim Acosta from CNN, he was... uh, Flabbergast. I mean, he was, he lost it. He unhappy, very, very frustrated. We'll just say that. So the White House press secretary is getting to a point, Brooke, where he's just kind of useless. You know, if he can't come out and answer the questions and they're just not going to do this on camera or audio, why are we even having these briefings or these gaggles in the first place? Is he not um, having it, conversations with the president about simple questions like climate change? Do you think he just simply doesn't know? Why isn't he having, having those conversations with the president? It, it's a really good question, Brooke, and it's a question that I would ask, but unfortunately at this White House, we wouldn't have the video or the audio to show you the answer uh, to that question because of, of the stonewalling that we're getting over here at the White House. That's the White House behind me, the White House, and it's just, it's bizarre. I, I, don't, I don't know what world we're living in right now, Brooke. We're, we're standing at the White House, and, and they bring us into the briefing room here at the White House, and they won't answer these questions on camera or let us record the audio. I don't know why everybody is going along with this. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And it just feels like we're, we're sort of slowly but surely being dragged into what is a new normal in this country where the President of the United States is allowed to insulate himself from answering hard questions. He hasn't held a, had, had a full-blown press conference since February. He has these two plus two press conferences with a foreign head of state where, you know, maybe he'll take a question from a conservative news media reporter and then somebody from the mainstream media. It just, this isn't how we do things in this country, but for whatever reason, we're all going along with it. I don't understand why we covered that gaggle today, quite honestly, Brooke. If they can't give us the questions, uh, the answers to the questions on camera or where we can record the audio, they're, they're basically pointless at this point. So it's getting worse. Yeah. Because today... Um, they sent out a, a planning, a guide or whatever, telling everyone what's going on. Like an agenda. It said, for planning purposes only, not reportable. So wow. they're telling the press, you cannot record this with audio or visual equipment. And you also cannot tell the people that you cannot report this. It says, not reportable. And they reported it. 
Of course they reported it. Good. Why? It's in Slate. Uh, Slate is reporting it. I'm sure other reporters are reporting it because... Uh, no, that's that's not like Jim Acosta just said. That's not how things work in this country. I also listen. I feel for him and his level of frustration. That's the White House behind me. The White House. What is happening? They they're completely cutting off our constitutionally protected right to report the free press. There is no respect for the Constitution, the rule of law in this administration. I mean, it's, it's no surprise. It's not like we're breaking news here. But it is getting more and more f- just flagrant, the abuse of power, the attempts to cover up preemptively now. You, because if you have nothing to, to, to report, you can't deny it later. It is uh, bizarre times in which we live. Taking care of biz. A valedictorian student who was making a speech at a graduation, Peter Butera, got his mic cut off in the middle of his speech. (laughs) I've heard of this story. Yeah. And I think it's great because when you're a kid, you are, you kind of have to cow to the, to the powers that be because you're a kid Mm -hmm. and he, uh, he didn't do that. Nope. The lack of a real student government combined with the authoritative attitude that a few teachers, administrators, and board members have prevents students from truly developing as leaders. Hopefully this will change. So he got his speech approved by the administration and then he went off script. Yeah. And it's funny to watch the video because you can see one guy, one um, faculty member is in frame and you can see him as soon as he starts going off script. The guy starts looking around wondering what the hell's going on yeah, yeah. and who's going to stop this. And then eventually they cut the mic. He stands up asks him to please leave the stage. And the crowd, very supportive. Yeah, uh, because he's being critical of the way the school was handling student government. And this kid was a student body president throughout the entire four years he was in high school. So he has a lot of experience, apparently, with them not not treating him fairly. Well, early in the speech, he talks about how he's always been, he's always gravitated toward leadership and being a good leader, and he's interested in that. So he ran for office, and he, he had been blessed, or whatever language he used, to be elected to student government by his, by his peers. Right. And it bothered him that this particular school, that the 
it was more of a a show. Yeah. Student government actually had no power whatsoever, and he hoped going forward they would implement an actual system of student government that had teeth and had power and could actually enact change. Which seems like a good message to send on the way out. Yeah. And instead, they were offended and upset as though he was telling everyone to F off. Well, they just validated everything he was saying. Right. About being authoritarian. Right? <laughs> oh, you do not like what we do? We cut your mic. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with all these accents, but I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I'm impressed. All right. Well, let's leave it there. That is a perfect place to end the show with you. Being impressed mm. with Jesse D. Yes. Good times. Listen, everybody. Goddamn. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening twice a week or as often as you do to our bonus content, our regular episodes. We really do. We love you guys and we do feel a connection to you. We hope that you feel one to us. If you'd like to support the show, other than listening those twice a week episodes and to our bonus content, go and review us on iTunes. Rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps. Of course, your financial support is important to us. Thank you for those who do give. If you'd like to join the family of dedicated, loyal Patreon and PayPal supporters, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. There is where you can find different ways. We would love to invite you on the team. Thank you so much. If you want to talk to us, you want to communicate with us, if you want to get your opinion on the record to help move the conversation forward, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining us. And until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this is Ben. I doubt it. My name's Jared Kushner, and I love peace in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs>